0: Hello! Hello, welcome. Welcome. So, X to the Zennial, we took a break last we, week. We did. Yeah, It's like a little self-care, like...
1: It was so nice. I worked on some craft projects. Right?
0: I rested and hung out with a friend of mine. It was nice. Well, and I, I think you and I, you know, we kind of hit it hard and like went weekly there for a while and then I went on vacation. Um, but I think now during the fall, you're busier with work, like schoolwork mm-hmm. and stuff, and I'm kind of, this is my time when I get peak clients come in and all the things. So I we might move to every two weeks. Yeah. I feel like that's probably a good idea. Do
1: you feel like it's a seasonal shift maybe that's causing your influx of uh, clients?
0: I think that that's part of it. I One of the things that happens certainly seasonally is when it's summertime, people are busy, they have a lot going on, and so they're like, oh, I'm fine. And so they can, you know, kind of put some of their mental health stuff aside and then once the fall happens and they're kind of isolated or less busy then they're kind of in their heads about what's going on and so then it it becomes
1: once pumpkin spice hits the shelves oh, it's god. time to go back to therapy there's your public service announcement so tonight With we're going to pumpkin
0: spice <laughs> <laughs>
1: i have a broomstick in my car it smells like cinnamon
0: deliciousness oh my god
1: it's heaven right now so tonight
0: we are going to do it. We are talking about doing, doing it. it.
1: <laughs> you know what song been in my head all day and I'm totally like... What? Copyright infringement right here. I've warned you. Please don't <laughs> sue me. I apologize in advance. <laughs> Um, but Big Butts and I Cannot Lie by Mix-A-Lot, because I knew we were doing tonight's topic, and then the, let's talk about sex, baby, let's (laughs) talk about you and me, let's talk, do you remember that
0: song? I do, I love that song. Is
1: that, like, Donnie from the New Kids on the Block? No.
0: Oh. I don't know. I think that was, like. TLC or in Vogue or somebody. Oh, it was a girl. Girls, yeah. (laughs) I think so. Um, Awesome.
1: So yeah, we're gonna talk about doing it.
0: We are, and we're gonna do this in a two-part kind of way. So the first one is we're gonna do kind of an introduction. Um, Anybody who knows me and certainly knows me well in terms of like friendship and people I hang out with and speak freely, um, I talk a lot about sex. Um, I am the Samantha of my friend group. I know that about me um and i mean it is one of my bigger motivators <laughs> it That's kind of motivated. always has been um you know for for most people it's like you know food or comfort or whatever no for me it's sex um <laughs> which i have shifted my orientation from kind of needing it and that being a big um thing that i focus a lot of attention on pursuing to now really more introspectively not doing that as much so um so would you say that your sexuality so
1: your capacity for sexual feelings has changed because you've changed your mindset or what do you think has caused the
0: shift I mean I think the mindset certainly has been part of it and also just um you know when I I talk with friends and stuff there there have been times uh certainly before now and and when I was younger when a lot of my value and feeling validated was kind of caught up in sex and being sexy and all those things. And now that I even perceive myself as uh, more intelligent and uh, powerful in terms of like work and all those things, I don't want to only be defined as someone who ha- whose value is mostly just like in sexual attraction. So I think wow. that has been a big part of it. And, and I think that that comes with time.
1: Um, I think that's a maturity thing. It is. You know, flowing into my, like, later 30s. Yeah. It's interesting, because I... I feel like when I describe myself, when I look in the mirror I'm like, damn, you fun. You know, I'm feeling myself. I feel like I'm Benjamin Buttoning, right. to be honest. Yeah. Intermittent fasting, I'm not a doctor. Consult your physician before you do this. But the fact of the matter is, like, I look at myself and I'm like, damn, you're gorgeous. Damn, right. you're fine. But that's a new thing to help really with like my self esteem. Sure. And but I you're just,
0: validating yourself. But I'm you validating that. Out out
1: Absolutely. But yeah, when I describe myself to people or individuals. And like, right. well, I'm well educated. I'm well networked into the community that I work in, in the field that I work in, sure. in, the disability community and field. Yeah, and I don't bring up ever like, oh, P.S. hot as fuck.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I think it also depends on context and and uh, time and place. But I think that that's certainly something that as I've matured um, and certainly transitioned in relationships. Um, there used to be a big focus on what I wasn't getting. Mm. And now the focus is on all the things I am doing and how I am getting validated. And um, so even though you and I are still kind of doing uh, active dating, meeting people things, the focus is not what it used to be. And certainly I I think I mentioned in another episode, I had an ethical non-monogamous marriage Mm -hmm. um, that used to consume a lot of my time. Once I started with my uh, master's, de- master's degree program, that shifted a little bit because I was busy. Like, I right. was just, my mental energy was being spent somewhere else. Um, so, yeah, that's...
1: You were growing your brain. You weren't stuffing your... Well...
0: <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, so, I don't know. I mean, it's it's an interesting thing. With, in terms of what we kind of want to talk about tonight in our introduction... Um, is looking back at how we kind of learned about sexuality. Um, kind of what that education uh, was when we were younger and certainly um, how, how we came to be the sexual humans that we are.
1: What a progression. Right? What a That is a huge progression. So, well... I learned about sex when I was really little. So we had like a little mini farm. So my family lived in Berlin for a little bit.
0: Okay.
1: And we had some pigs and we had some goats and we had some cows and we had some chickens. Okay. And one day we got home and my mom was like, Stay in the car and she's like the scary mom voice and we're like, Okay, oh, frozen. <laughs> and so she runs across and she goes towards the goat pen. Well, the goat was mine. And I was like, okay. oh, my gosh, what's going on with my goat? <laughs> well, and then I see, like, little things in the pen with it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, there's dogs. Like, my goat's being eaten by dogs. Right. Like, I was a total farm girl. Yeah. So cute. That's where I love my boots from. So that said, though, my mom came back and was like, come look. And then there were babies. And we were just like, oh, my gosh, baby goats, the cutest things on the planet. Yeah. And, um, but then I looked at my mom, like, point blank, stare down in the eyes was like five years old where do babies come from (laughs) how did this happen to my goat right all the questions right so my mom was like all right i'm just gonna lay it to you straight male female sex intercourse sperm all technical about the whole thing right and i was like Fantastic. Which Red I t- really
0: encourage.
1: Oh yeah, be straight up. Use yeah. the words penis and vagina to describe your children's genitals. So
0: much easier than the sissy and woo-woo and pee-pee and whatever. Right. Oh god.
1: <laughs> so anyway, so I promptly went to school the next day and shared, of course, my new learnings and teachings with oh all god. the kids. <laughs> Yup. Oh, that, that's awesome. That might be right around the time I just stopped talking and started being an introvert listener. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you were yeah. like, Maybe I shouldn't share all the things I know.
1: Yeah, they definitely called home on that one. Oh wow. So that was my introduction to just sex. But as far as sexuality goes, which encompasses sexual orientation, sexual gratification, a lot of things, the capacity for feeling sexual, right? Sure. Sexual is my sexuality. That didn't develop until a lot, lot, lot later <laughs> in my life, in okay. my real significant adult, or my early 30s. Sure. Anyways, because I was married, I was together and with someone, the same sexual partner for mm-hmm. 11 years. So when you're with someone in a got, monogamous, in way. a monogamous, 100% monogamous relationship. Yeah. And so that said, when you're practicing six, with the same person, you know, for a long amount of time, you know, they're either adventurous or they're not. And my, my partner at the time was not. Okay. So I was, but I was also not an advocate for myself and being mm-hmm. like this is what I want.
0: Or this like, is what I like or I want to try
1: this. Exactly. Okay. Or I did that early on and it was kinda like rejected, so I just kinda gave up and was like, All right, I guess guess no. <laughs> <We'll just laughs> right, do we'll this. right, we'll just do this.
0: Vanilla. Right. Missionary thing. right. We'll just okay. we'll make this work.
1: So, yeah, my sexuality came after um, my marriage, which is okay. really fascinating, so in my early 30s.
0: Gotcha. Um, and as
1: far as learning about sex, I had the, you know, the farm experience, but then it was not really the sex ed talk in school. Okay. And that went down, you know, we were all excited, even though it's was like, guys, I got the 411, I already know, I've known since kindergarten, Um, how this all works. You know, how so old or
0: what grade... Do you remember being that in... was
1: fifth grade? Okay. So they separated the boys and girls, put us into separate rooms, put in this cassette tape into the TV, and we learned about our periods. Okay. And that was it.
0: So like, it was just, just like
1: it was menstruation. It was like your this body's is gonna make uterus, fallopian
0: tubes, yep. eggs, bleeding. Very,
1: very technical, but nothing okay. about orgasms and nothing about feel how you're gonna feel and nothing about. Foreplay. And like, even, like,
0: anatomy was generally all internal, right? Yeah, there was
1: nothing about the clitoris. Right. Or the G-spot. Sure. Or the Bartholin gland, or, yeah. you know, which causes lubrication. There was nothing about anything other than pregnancy, menstruation. Okay. This is
0: the haps. Right.
1: Fascinating. And how, I think that was your... Like, how did that go down for you?
0: Well, uh, growing up in a very, uh, pretty strict Catholic household... Obviously, we weren't talking about sex. Um, the weird thing was that so I, I think I first learned about sex, or at least kind of became oriented to it, um, is that we found some, you know, some porn magazines in my uncle's basement. Um, and it was like me and my other cousins. We're all about the same age, within a you know six months to a year of each other, and um, found the magazines. I was not shocked or horrified. In fact, I was fascinated. I was like, "Oh my god, these are naked humans." Were you just like boobies? I mean, all of it was just all so it. like glossy, right? Like just so, so Yeah. Um and and I never went through a phase of not liking boys. Like I always like I was always boy crazy. Um and so I guess in terms of orientation, I didn't First of all, I wasn't aware that there was any other orientation. And secondly, yeah. I always wanted to kiss, touch, hug boys. Like, that was just a thing I wanted to do. Right.
1: Um,
0: and I was getting that kind of validation even then right. when I was a little kid. Um, I do remember sex ed very similar to yours. Uh, you know, it was very clinical. It was very menses oriented. Um, mm-hmm. It was not about sexuality. It wasn't about pleasure. It wasn't about even even the mechanics of it. It was just about menstruation is going to happen and, um, you know, your body is for the purpose of procreation and that's all. Wow. Um, And then going to Catholic school. So I went to public school first through fifth. And then in sixth grade, I went to private school, Catholic school. Um, It was never brought up again. Um, But I do recall that um, my mom's education, you know, kind of her, the way she disseminated that information was just like, don't do it. Right. Right. It was just bad and you would be a slut if you did it and don't do it. My mom's statement was this, and this is terrifying. If
1: you have sex, you will get AIDS and you will die or you will get pregnant and it will ruin your life.
0: So either way, it was like peril on either end.
1: Absolutely, I was just like, "Sex is the worst thing on the planet, right?
0: It's like, only where baby
1: goats come from,
0: <laughs> or uh, baby humans in your life, or England. AIDS, right?" Or right. <laughs> and I think that was the other thing um, in terms of HIV, which the kids are calling the HIV now. It was
1: big though. Like it was. When big. I, I remember watching a documentary when I was ten years old, and I was like, "I can never kiss anyone
0: because I'll get AIDS and die." I was 10
1: years old, HBO special, grandparents' house. Terrifying. They had cable.
0: Right. And And so that was certainly part of the the lexicon and the conversations that were happening around sex was that it was scary. Right. Right? Or that...
1: Or you're going to have a period.
0: Right. And period sounds awful.
1: Or you're going to get pregnant. Yeah. Very... Yeah.
0: It's just terrifying. Scary. Well, and I don't think... I mean, I think some of that is lost now, which is a little bit weird because you know, HIV is coming back. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's not coming back. It's just like more there. We'll get there anyway. Okay. Um, so the other thing is, uh, I remember, you know, kissing. I thought that was awesome. Mm-hmm. But the weird thing is like back then, I, I mean, I, you know, I don't know how middle school is for you, but like we would go around. That's what it was called going out, okay. going around, Um, And so it was, like, hand-holding and note-writing and, you know, occasional kissing. Like, my first kiss, my first official kiss was in 8th grade, 7th to 8th grade that summer. Um, But before that uh, was in 5th grade with a boy I later dated and became engaged to, which is a long, circuitous story. But anyway. How
1: the world turns. Yeah,
0: 100%. Um, And he tried to kiss me, and I was like... No, I'm just gonna make you wait. Ooh, um, ice Queen. He was actually the the boy I lost my virginity to.
1: Oh, I love this! I need to hear this story. Well, I'll probably hear it off of the uh, recording, but I'm well,
0: sure. Well, we're it's gonna crazy. talk about first times anyway, so we'll go. But um, so yeah, I I mean, I do remember. It, the motivation wasn't sex, but the motivation was connection. Right. right. And I think as humans, we all want to feel that connection.
1: Well, I was listening. Yes, absolutely. I was listening to a TED Talk on orphans. So mm-hmm. I'm planning on doing some uh, world aid with yeah. orphans. Next year is the, the hope I've put my application in. Nice. Already. So I'm waiting to hear if I was accepted and what country I'd be going to. Okay. But, so I've been listening, you know, learning and orphans, they were talking about research that's been done. We need touch like
0: unattachment. We need yeah. yes,
1: on attachment. We need that. We need that for brain growth. Sure. We need that for brain development. We need that for oxytocin. We mm-hmm. need that for chemistry in our body. Sure. Like we need that physical touch even from when we're just tiny little infants and firstborn. Right. You know, and we need that all through our lives. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so
0: that I think was a big part and motivator for me to kind of seek that out. Mm-hmm. Um that being said, with the big fear of sex, I waited until I was uh, 16. I was a month before I turned 17. It was New Year's Eve, 1989. No, uh, 89
1: to 90. Because it was New Year's.
0: Well, yeah, and it, it was a thing that I... And it
1: lasted from 10 till 12.01? <laughs> or <laughs> from you know, 11.58 to
0: 12.01? It was... Just my kidding. first time was pretty magical. That's
1: awesome. Like,
0: it it was something that... Because I've seen... Well, so let me back up a little bit. Did you ever read Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret? Mm-hmm. One of my favorite books, I think I read it like seven times. Wow, I read it once. <laughs> 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 but I, I mean, the, the way that it was talked about in terms of kind of first loves and spin the bottle and, you know, getting your period. I think I was more prepared through reading that book than in anything that I learned in school or even in talking with my girlfriends.
1: Well, and being zennial and Generation X, there wasn't the freaking internet, you know, to learn these things. Kids have that in their hands right now. Sure. What is sex? how does this look? What is going, I have questions, they get answers. We didn't really have, we didn't have that.
0: Absolutely not. Um, And so I think that definitely formulates how you then perceive and seek out information. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I remember reading the book over and over and over. um, And then when I got my period, because the book is a little dated, um, I do, because I think at one point she talks about, like having a, a sanitary napkin or pad mm-hmm. and then a belt that goes with it. And right. I think we experienced that after adhesive was yeah a thing.
1: Tampons were a real thing.
0: Well I didn't use tampons until after I lost my virginity.
1: Oh, I used that was what I used right away. My mom Like first time? Yeah, I was a competitive swimmer. I had to be in the water like five days a week. So I couldn't do pads. It had to be I was an athlete. Yeah. So I, yeah, so my mom was like, it sucks, but this is what you got to do because you got to be in the pool in four hours. <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: So Are You There, God was originally published in 1970. Wow. I know. So it was like old school kind of, but the, you know, the themes still kind of track even now. Um, So I was born in 73, so I think I read it in like 83, 84. Gotcha. Yeah. It was kind of crazy. It's crazy. But, so, yeah, you were an athlete. Your body was doing different things, right? So being in the pool, tampons were a necessity. How did you get it? Okay. I
1: was in the fifth grade. Okay. Wow, I was little. I was 10. Yeah. That's crazy. That is kind
0: of crazy. Yeah,
1: I didn't get my first kiss, though, until I was, like, 17.
0: Really? (laughs) Okay. So (laughs) what was that story?
1: Oh, it was a pity kiss. So, that's okay. It was still really special just in case Steve, who's my cousin's (laughs) best friend to this day, ever listens to this. But basically, so I've known this guy my whole life because he's my cousin's best friend. (laughs) Uncle to, like, surrogate uncle to her children. Yeah. And, uh... I was up in Las Vegas, New Mexico, and I was hanging out with my cousin Jennifer, and we were having a good time. And she was with her boyfriend Remington, mm-hmm. and they like we were all her
0: boyfriend's name was Remington. Remington,
1: Remington, Remington. That's what we used to say. <laughs> it was hilarious. Oh my and God. so, uh, yeah, he's a brand, not a human. And uh, <laughs> so I was there. And we were all hanging out. We went to like Dairy Queen. We jumped on the trampoline, all the things. And then they started making out. And me and Steve were like, "Sup." Right? Should we be like doing the things? This, you know, and then, and then I guess like it was like, sure. Right. I'm like 17. I gotta get this done, I guess, sometime. We <laughs> gotta knock this one out. I gotta get this uh, done and over with. And it was nice. Well, and that's so, and it was polite and friendly and So That
0: doesn't all sound like pity at all. That sounds like. It
1: was kind. Yes, <laughs> it, was,
0: <laughs> so kind, it yeah. was
1: kind. But it wasn't like, you know, making out or anything. It was just my first kiss. And it was really, it was a lovely first kiss. Yeah. So I tease him every time I run into him. I'm like, hey, what's up, first kiss? So, cracks my shit up. I am so (laughs) weird. And so, and then, yeah, and then six months later, I got my first boyfriend and lost my, like, virginity. I was like, all right, I've got the experience of kissing under my belt, let's go for the next one. Did you feel any kind of a pressure to to have the sex? No, I just felt hormones raging. Oh my gosh, it was... This is a magical time in hormonal life. Like, jeez. Okay. I'm reliving it right now. I got heart palpitations.
0: (laughs) My estrogen's
1: flowing. No, it's just I didn't feel pressure. I felt more, I just felt ready. You know, I was Mm -hmm. like, you know, I was in a relationship. We were dating. I really liked him. I'd known him through high school. We were on cross country together. We were on track together he's a nice person, it felt safe, it felt secure, it, sure. felt, it felt right. Yeah. And so we used protection, you know, it felt like a mature decision. And then we dated for three and a half years. So the guy I lost my V-card to, like, I also was in a very long
0: relationship, relationship with, with.
1: And we cared for each other a lot. And okay. So just went to college and changed as people. And, and so it, would you and say happens. that
0: that first experience was very, like, tender and... Special, I mean, some people talk about the trauma of their first time. and And obviously, sexual assault aside, like, some people are just, like, in a hurry to get it over with, and so they're not really, um, experiencing all the things. Right. Um, when I look back and and think about my first time, like, it was, it was very tender and Mm -hmm. sweet, and there was a lot of kissing, um, and we had done other things before that, obviously, um. But, yeah, I mean, I do recall a couple, a couple years before that. So that was, like I said, New Year's 1989 to 90. Um, but I do remember a couple summers before that, I was 15, um, 14 to 15, and I um, was in Denver. I was hanging out with my cousins, and my cousin's neighbor was this, like, really sexually experienced, like, guy, and... So we had kind of made a plan to let him do it. Yeah. But there was no chemistry there. Like it was a, it was awkward and I I don't know if I got shy, but I was just like, yeah, I don't want to do that. And there was no pressure and it was fine. Um and I'm really grateful that I waited uh until later. Right. Um, and so the boyfriend, the first kiss guy like 5th grade. Um it's actually 4th grade. But uh he we went to the same elementary school and then my sophomore year he just kind of showed up at my door because in fourth grade we had gone christmas caroling and we had hot chocolate at my house so he knew where i lived which was down the street from where he lived and he just showed up at my house one day and he was like i remembered that you lived here and i was thinking about you blah blah uh that turned out to be one of the best and most awful relationships ever
1: but that sounds like a say anything moment with John Cusack where he's right. holding the stereo. Right. <laughs> oh! My heart it wells with adolescent love. It, I get to see that, by the way, <laughs> at my job every day. Like yes. the kids holding hands in the hall. Oh, cute! They're and... so adorable. And then like the little girls carrying their roses because their right. boyfriend brought them a little flower to school. from the gas station or it's whatever. So cute. Or from their parents' yard. I right. don't even know where these things come from, but it's just really, it's just really precious actually to see. Yeah. Because you're just like, wow. Pat Benatar had it right, bitches. Love is a battlefield. (laughs) Just wait until this relationship's over.
0: Right. My goodness. And the drama and all the things.
1: Yeah, well, then they eventually have the drama. And then I don't see them being all cutesy in the hall holding hands anymore. Right, because they're like,
0: miss, all brokenhearted. They're so sad. (laughs) So
1: sad. I'm like, it's okay, sugar. There's like six million men out there. Don't worry about it.
0: And they're all going to disappoint you. Just kidding. (laughs) Some Not of all of them. them. No. It um. Okay, so we both talked about our first time. Um. Kind of talked about the education aspect. You wanted to talk a little bit about like orientation and those things. So obviously, both of us identify as hetero. Right. Right. We yeah. are cis hetero females. Yeah. Um. And that. For me, it has always been my orientation. Like, I've never... I've strayed a little bit just because, like, boobs. Want to check that out. But when it really comes down to it, like, at the end of the day, I'm, you know, in terms of uh, the Kinsey scale. So let's talk a little bit about that in terms of psychology and stuff.
1: Right. So let's introduce that. So that's the sexual spectrum. So the uh, Kinsey scale is also referred to as the heterosexual homosexual um, scaling. Right. Okay, and it was developed in research, um, and it was about uh, sexual orientation, Um, and it's a scale that ranges from zero to six, and basically, it just says, to where will you be completely heterosexual or homosexual, and then anything in between, so bisexual, pansexual, asexual, all the sexuals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's get sexual. (laughs) sexual. Let's get physical.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for that. You're welcome. Um, I want to see your body rock. Right? My body does rock. Um, but I mean, it is something that, and and the Kinsey, um, research happened, I think it was in the sixties. It was in the
1: sixties. There's an institute still to this day and they do so much research on sexuality, relationships, even communication styles, I believe, in the love lab, but that might be another researcher, um, about relationships. But yeah, it's fascinating because as you progress through life, you meet individuals, you meet people, you befriend people who have, who are, who are different, who I see on that. I have a really, really close friend who I asked permission prior to this podcast if I could use them as an example when I'm talking about the Kinsey scale. Mm-hmm. And so my friend started out exploring their sexual sexuality sure. and what they they thought they enjoyed. So they just tried it. You know and the thought yeah. was I want, I'm a male and I want to dress as a female because I feel like that would be very sexy. I feel like I, I feel very sexy and sexually empowered. Sure, which they did. Mm-hmm. He did. And really enjoyed it and started getting really into that, dressing up for themselves and then finding partners who wanted to see th- them dressed up and, sure. and experience, have that experience with them. But then it's, you know, our next steps, you know, then ha- giving blowjobs to friends, to male friends. Sure. So moving on that Kinsey scale, you know, from that zero, that heterosexual, which you and I kind of identify mm-hmm. that zero one area, yeah. you know, into a more middle section and and then so on and so forth but it's been really interesting and fascinating to learn about my friend and kind of be there to hear like oh this is what I did last night right you know the sexual experiences that they're experiencing and the fluidity of their sexuality right you know and how female male all you know trying out various things you know bukkake (laughs) (laughs) Foreign stores if you don't know what bukkake is please don't google it just send us an email
0: or google it it's fine it'll gross you out or it'll be really exciting. Or and that's you okay might too. like it. But I, I do, you know, just to back it up a little bit, because um, you had mentioned like fellatio, for example, or blowjobs. Um, in our sexual education, obviously none of that was talked about. Yeah. Um, do you remember the first time that was introduced into like your sex play?
1: Hmm. Like the first person I did that with? Yeah. I do. Okay. Was that
0: your boyfriend from high school? That
1: was. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, I do remember the first time somebody asked for it and I was like, ugh, gross. Ugh, don't put your penis in my mouth. Uh, that's not what I said. But <laughs> I did, I mean, I do remember having that what you I remember having that visceral like, ugh, that sounds gross. Um. Which is really funny. Obviously, I was, at that point, I was 17, maybe 18. Um, but I hadn't experienced that. Like, that's not something that me and... And my boyfriend had done. It was that was mostly just like pretty straight sex, like a little bit of foreplay, but nothing, right. no oral for on anybody. Hate
1: a little bit of foreplay. We need that in our lives, right?
0: I mean, sometimes the foreplay in in itself is is very sexual and charged and absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I think that when y- there was an innocence to our early sexual experiences, absolutely, that maybe is. Uh, lacking in sexual experiences with kids or humans that are the ages that we were when we we're having sex. I mean, right. you talked earlier about having um, the ability to like Google things and all the stuff. Well, what they also talk about and we have recognized, too, is that having access to porn mm-hmm. um, definitely changes the perspective and the perception of sexuality and what is normal quote-unquote
1: well it doesn't show the intimacy factor that it doesn't is, show any intimacy it doesn't show any intimacy at all it's definitely changed the lens and scope of what sex sexuality is not what sex is well and what sex is and that it's graphic i was just uh, chaperoning a dance yeah. <laughs> uh, over this past weekend for the school and there are these kids and this girl's backed up their booties, and those boys got on there, and it was just like a big hump circle. And we were like, we've got to break
0: this up. This is not... We need to leave some... This, well, in we Catholic school, we used to say, we need to leave some room for the Holy Spirit.
1: We need to leave some room for Jesus. <laughs> right. That's what we said. Uh, so, that, that said, yeah, definitely even in... Dance and how they interact with one another, even though they're very super sweet in the hallway. Sure. Um. You know, but but what that looks like. Yeah. But also, too, what that looks like, even in our generations now, right. um, in dating now, and you know, we've been playing the field for a while. We right. know what's going on out there in the world. Right. Of the tenders and the bumbles and the donut meat bagels. I don't know. Okay, Cupid, friends with benefits. I'm just <laughs> listing out fake websites. <laughs> um, but that's said we all know what's going on on those you know you have the people seeking out relationships you have the people seeking out casual dating you have the um people seeking out like some raw hard fucking
0: just like hookups just hookup fucking yeah
1: and so even our lens has changed with you know as our society's changed i was listening to a podcast about how accepted bisexuality was actually up until the 1940s. Right. And it was really, I was shocked actually to learn that. I had no idea that here in the U.S. of A, super, super accepted. And then we went into this like complete shutdown and perspectives and ideologies and political views and all the things changed. But I
0: also think that even culturally, like, you know, uh, Greeks and Romans and mostly Romans, not the Greeks, but were a lot more um, exploratory in in their sexuality and Mm -hmm. expressive in ways that, um, you know, we're just societal norms. The other thing about that is is cheating or extramarital affairs. I mean, now we can say something like ethical non-monogamy, and people know what that is—polyamory right. and all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but there have been times, Cuckling. Uh, <laughs> cut colds. and cut queens. Cut queens. Um, and when we definitely in our in our next episode want to talk a little bit more about those more extreme and fringe sexual preferences and all of all of that but i mean in 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 our formative years of learning about sexuality and and doing those things we you and i were not taught about oral pleasure
1: sexual gratification of the female just
0: well even just sex for the for the purpose of pleasure right right like it right. was it was a very clinical very functional sex is how you make the babies exactly and it there was not a lot of conversation and certainly again growing up catholic in a very um kind of strict more not so fundamental but very strict there wasn't conversations about masturbation for example like my mom never said anything about masturbating
1: how old were you the first time you masturbated i was 22 what
0: yeah i was 22 like the first time I even had an orgasm, I was twenty-two. Wow! I had had a child already.
1: We are mind blowing me right now. Mind <laughs> boom. <laughs> puff of glitter everywhere. That's right. what I'm filled with. Wow! Yeah. You want to hear about mine? Yes, I do. I had my first orgasm in seventh grade PE doing jumping jacks. I don't know what the hell was going on with my body.
0: Tell me more. I was doing
1: jumping jacks. We were okay. doing warm-ups for PE. I was yeah. all jock, so I was like, yeah, love me some physical activity. Sure. Didn't play sports that required a lot of jumping jacks, though. It was usually like, go run a lap, go run another lap, dive sure. in the pool, swim a mile. Like, those kinds of athletes. So how
0: did you know that that's what was happening? Because I'm smart. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just
1: knew. It, it was just like an intuitive thing. So I'm did doing, you have like a
0: tingly feeling? Well, no, that's or... how it
1: started, and I was like, oh, what is... What's going on with my crotch? And then I was like, Oh my vagina is falling asleep. Feels like my when my hand falls asleep. That's it's like tingly. It's tingly. And I was like, yeah. I better jump being Jack faster
0: okay. to wake
1: it up. <laughs> Cause Makuchi's falling asleep. So I'm like, Okay, pick up the pace. Sure. Jumping Jack faster. Well, it didn't go away. It just kept going and then felt better, and then I slowed down into, like, warp, like slow speed. Like, I don't know what's going on <laughs> with my body. So I went home later on that day and figured it out in the bathtub. Okay. And that was that.
0: Okay. Yeah, I was just like, something
1: went on in this area. Yeah. I think I need to know what that is.
0: Nice. It was more of a scientific exploratory exploratory situation. Yeah,
1: just like can I make that situation happen again? Because it was good. <laughs> good old jumping jacks. There you go. There you go. That's why I go to the gym so much.
0: Oh, <laughs> all the friction.
1: My warm up. <laughs> Anyways, just kidding.
0: Um. Yeah. I mean that. That's the thing. And so, like, when was the last? The first time someone went down on you.
1: Oh again, first boyfriend. Okay. One time. Okay. He didn't like it. I thought it was neat, but I got the message that this isn't cool, right? Okay. Because, you know, partner didn't like it, and uh, I think I was, like, 19. Okay. So, and then I just kind of got that message, like, guys don't like doing that. Okay. So I never really asked for that. Um. Flash forward to, like, my early 30s, the awakening of, like, sexuality for sure. me. Sure. Um, and I was like, let's try that out again, and I was like a little bit of a boss bitch, like, hey, you should get do down, the thing. There. let's try this, I want to see if I like it, hop <laughs> <And Huff> to <laughs> it, and I like it. Okay. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I like it a lot. Fair.
0: So, yeah. yeah. So, I, the first person to go down on me was, I remember him very clearly, actually, um, and that was also after I, I had had my daughter, um... And I was kind of shocked by it. I don't think that I, um, orgasmed. I definitely was like, oh, keep doing that some more. Um, but then once I, I had masturbated, also in the bathtub, um, then I couldn't stop. Like, I just, I mean, seriously. It was done. Right. I mean, I, I, I would definitely say that, um, you know, I I was. You were very... getting it on
1: like Genghis Khan.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I am very much a fan of that. Um, okay, so just to kind of switch it up before we close. Well,
1: let's talk about a little bit about sexual dysfunction. And well, so I, I wanted to talk
0: about mental health and yes, sexuality. Perfect. Because there is a lot tied up in how we feel about ourselves and how we. Um, validate ourselves through sexuality. I don't right. know enough, obviously, about the male experience, but I do know from the female experience that o- oftentimes being attractive or fi- having someone find us attractive is very validating. It's our kind of our first way of knowing that we have value to other people. Right. Um, outside of, like, the COD spectrum of, like, I have to make other people happy. Right. But sexuality, in a healthy way... Um, you know, the validation and and feeling desired and and other people finding us attractive can actually be really good, but it can also be really detrimental. Right. And so then if we add trauma to that, um, that kind of fucks with you 87 other ways, because then your boundaries are not being honored or observed, um, or even considered.
1: Right.
0: Um, and so that does other things. So, sexuality is a very powerful thing, both positively and negatively, because of how much is tied into it and how we think about ourselves.
1: Right. And going back to the mental health component, thinking about sexual dysfunction, because I do want to tap on that, in um, sexuality, because that can, you know, make you feel not very sexual. You sure. You know, incapacity uh, to orgasm or uh, gain an erection, maintain an erection, um, there's if a lot there's of shame that. with sex in, well, in
0: your education
1: or just shame in, in your performance, critique or criticism by a partner, or just even when you're doing your own masturbating and not being able to climax or not being able to, again, like I said, maintain an erection. Sure. That can cause some mental health or depression. If you're not feeling good about your body, mental health, depression, you know, l- lack of libido, if you're not eating right, lack of libido, taking care of your whole person sure. is so important in your sexual health. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and maintaining that, that sexuality, which is that those mental components of who you are and
0: what you ooze and, is, and excrete to everybody out there who wants
1: to get in your, you know, stuff. <laughs> well, I think the other
0: piece, too, is because, you know, porn is so ubiquitous, it does skew uh, how we, how our brains put together what we find attractive or what we are stimulated by And because porn is so accessible, it actually does change the brain chemistry such that if someone has been looking at porn since they were, for example, 10, 12 years old, they have a very skewed view of what sexuality looks like without even interacting with another human.
1: They've also rewired their brain.
0: Yep. Yep. So their brain
1: now is wired to have this visual stimulation and then them seek their own gratification onto their own genitalia. So the brain is actually wired in a different way that they're self-gratifying mm-hmm. so then that's not externally seeking. So then right. we have attachment issues, there's uh, depression and anxiety that can come with that, shame. sexual dysfunction, yep. shame, there's a lot that goes into that. That's why there's uh you know, porn rehab for individuals because neurologically speaking, they are rewired. I was listening to 60% speaking of shame, Mm -hmm. uh, 60% of women can't achieve an orgasm. Right. And 90% of men can, which is really cool stat. Very fascinating. But those 60% of women, it's, they can't achieve with partner, without partner. It's just something that, or 60% can. So that 40% cannot. Right. At all. it, And I wonder, though, is this because, again, we're societally saying if you're in that 40%, stop trying to find your G-spot, stop trying to to find other ways of stimulating yourself into an orgasm, because if I can get off doing jumping jacks, Right. There has to be some kind of way to wire the brain neurologically.
0: Well, I think part of it is to take the stigma out of it and to do self-exploration, to have conversations with with your girlfriend. I do remember a time when there was pressure in terms of like my friends were being sexual and I was feeling like I was left behind because I, I wasn't doing those things and I didn't that wasn't. My motivation, right? But definitely feeling like, oh, I guess I should get on this. Like you said, like you should probably just get it over with,
1: right? Just and get it
0: done. That's not also a healthy way of looking at it, no, right? That's not a nice um,
1: perspective.
0: But that there's a lot of there's a lot of conversation there in terms of looking at one how you view yourself. Two, um, are you open to and taking the time to figure out what your body likes. And then are you able to ask for it, right? Are I mean, you able to have conversations about it?
1: Right. And that, that falls into intimacy, which we could do a podcast just on intimacy sure. and, and how we build that with others and attachment and that would pair nicely with our codependency. Absolutely.
0: But we are out of time. We are out of time. So we've just kind of opened the box on this. Next time. Next we're going to talk, talk about pink kink and the paraphilias all the things google that are the f- what a paraphilia
1: is if you're not aware dsm4 <laughs> the,
0: the fringe things um you know the abnormal psychology stuff uh certainly as it's related to sex but again we just opened this box we right. just started kind Such of having conversations topic. absolutely just like
1: oh, the majority of the topics that we're covering they're very big topics and if you want to hear more detail You know, let us know. Give us some feedback. Email us at zenial at gmail.com. Right. Let us know what you desire to hear.
0: (laughs) Don't be creepy about it. Oh. Or be creepy. I don't know. Um, Whatever gets you off. (laughs) There's no judgment. Um, So we definitely appreciate all of our listeners. We have grown. We've had... Over 200 listens. It's
1: awesome. Thank you so much for your support and your love and listening to us. Absolutely.
0: Continue sharing. We are talking uh, to other people about having guests and talking about other um, topics, really things that are interesting to us and also to other people. But yes, thank you for all your support. Um, We will be back in one to two weeks. Um, Follow us on X to the Zenial underscore podcast uh, on Instagram or you can email us. Thank you so much. Have a great week. Get laid. Oh
1: my God. (laughs) You love it.